The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Are you ready? The showstopper, Mr. WrestleMania. Degenerate into something fool. We just got tired of doing what you told us to do. That's a brace, boy. Yeah. Well, you love Sean Michaels or you hate him. It's really irrelevant. He's a magnificent athlete. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Hello and welcome to the HBK pod where we are looking at the Wrestlemania career of the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, one match at a time. And maybe jumping across to different pay-per-views and events when we finish a Wrestlemania. We'll see how this goes. We are up to Wrestlemania 9, Shawn's first title match at a Wrestlemania. He is defending the Intercontinental Championship here. And he is wrestling the Native American Tatonka quite a unique character came into the WWF in late 91 uh, hung around for a few years had this undefeated streak that seemed to go on forever never really did anything with it though I think this is potentially Tatonka's most prestigious match his most important match of his career I don't recall any world title matches I don't recall him ever holding a title to be fair I know he won a big battle royal on television at one point but Surely opening WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Championship is probably the highlight of this guy's career, I would say. Now, WrestleMania 9 is well, it's quite a unique event for a lot of you know bad, wrong reasons, I think. It's the first WrestleMania to be held outside, which is something, obviously, that would go on to be a, a more of a regular occurrence in present day with these massive football stadiums that the WWE now use even though some of them do have roofs on and so on but WrestleMania is held outside a a lot more regularly in recent years this here in 1993 is the first occasion this happened it's also the lowest grossing WrestleMania up to this point the attendance was 16,800 and change which was massively down from the big dome show that they ran the previous year at WrestleMania 8 and also previous WrestleManias before that as well the buy rate was also down quite substantially from the previous year. Interestingly enough, though, it, it actually the buy rate for this WrestleMania of 2.3 would be the highest buy rate WrestleMania had for the next few years. I think 14 might have beaten it. If not 14, definitely 15 did beat it. But, you know, you, you look at the WrestleManias coming up, Brett and Sean, for example, at WrestleMania 12, headlining and so on, it shows how the business really sort of fell off a cliff. It took a bit nosedive money-wise throughout the you know the, the early to mid 90s run that we had before obviously austin exploded in the late 90s and so on caesar's palace is the location as i may have mentioned already 
it's been it's been built up to be this big roman themed event because of it being at caesar's palace this includes a, a cleopatra and julius caesar impersonators coming out on a big elephant it includes everyone wearing togas which is just nonsense really poor jim ross on his first ever wrestlemania call i believe also his first ever wwf pay-per-view call he's there in a toga and some gold sandals i really feel for the guy but he does the best he can with it of course because jim ross is in my opinion the greatest announcer of all time we do get the brilliant bobby the brain heenan though coming out on a camel facing backwards and falling off the camel and macho man lifting his toga up and showing heenan's arse and all this sort of stuff just comedy gold bobby heenan is absolutely fantastic his commentary is great throughout the event as well he is just in this era of professional wrestling and when he jumps ship to the to wcw very soon heenan is just superb absolutely fantastic stuff sean is out first wearing um a kind of i suppose it's just a pair of sleeves really it's like a, a leather effort jacket but just the sleeves and the rest cut off with some mirrors on and so on and i love the way that the guns who are part of the bullet club on aw television all of their gear is inspired by Shawn michaels from back in the day so we see a, a mock-up of this outfit that Shawn is wearing at wrestlemania 9 on aw collision in the recent weeks and so on i love all that sort of that throwback to uh this which obviously influenced them as a child i would imagine sean is also coming out to his more familiar entrance music now uh sung by himself he provides the vocals as opposed to sherry that we heard on other our last episode of the heartbreak kid podcast looking at wrestlemania 8 but sean is also followed by luna vachon who is making her debut in the wwf as well and she is coming out with sean quite a few yards behind him and there's not really masses of interaction between the two throughout the duration of the contest really but she is obviously there to keep an eye on sensational sherry who comes out shortly after again a few seconds a few a couple of yards behind tatanka but she is dressed in a sort of native american get-up and is obviously in tatanka's corner and we have this kind of standoff throughout the match of, of Luna Vachon and Sherry. And those two are going to, the idea was those two are going to enter into a program after WrestleMania. Interestingly enough, Tatonka was not going to be Sean's original opponent at this WrestleMania. We were supposed to be heading into, I guess, what would have been maybe a decider in theory between Sean and Marty Gennetti, his ex Rockers tag team partner. We had the match at the Rumble. Uh, sherry got involved in that and that's why she's parted ways with michaels here because the, you know, the whole mirror shot and so on we will no doubt cover that when we get into our raw rumble matches that Shawn michaels takes part in and and Jeanette, he loses at the rumble but the feud wasn't over they were supposed to be carrying on for a few more months and the general feeling that you find online with interviews and so on and listening to the people who are supposedly in the know so to speak is that we were going to go to Jeanette michaels at wrestlemania 9 as well however Janetti, as it tended to happen, we all know the story, uh, he would have these issues of falling asleep in the locker room, um, getting busted for drugs and all these different issues. And this happened again in February time, I think. And it sort of put pay to Janetti being involved in the WrestleMania contest. This obviously leaves your Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels, at a bit of a loose end. 
and needing an opponent. Tatonka is on this big undefeated streak in the mid card for the company at the time. Very popular as well among the children and so on. And if you remember the uh, the foam tomahawk merchandise that he used to sell was hugely popular as well. So the decision was kind of made very quickly to have Tatonka drafted in to Janetti's place. And the way the WWF went about this was to have Tatonka defeat Shawn Michaels in a non-title match and also pin Michaels in a six-man tag team match. Now, the six-man tag was around four, five weeks prior to WrestleMania itself. But Michaels actually ends up going into this WrestleMania not in the greatest physical condition. He's a bit beaten up. He's been working, you know, pretty much every night of the week, if you believe his book and so on. And he he separates his shoulder in the six-man tag match here. So it's basically off television or, or can't have any real physicality until WrestleMania anyway. Also, to add to the issues with his shoulder, when Michaels is kind of getting back in the ring, you know, the week or two before WrestleMania itself, maybe even the week of WrestleMania, he goes down to uh, Memphis and works a couple of matches with um, Jeff Jarrett and another one with Jerry Lawler, just to sort of, you know, I suppose, knock the ring rest off, I guess is the phrase. And in one of those contests, Michaels is handed the Intercontinental Championship by the referee after the match. There's a bit of a timing issue. Sean turns around a bit quick. The referee turns around a bit quick. Something like that. I don't, you know, I've not seen the footage, but I'm going by what the stories that Sean tells himself. And the referee ends up clocking Michaels in the mouth and knocking out one of his front teeth. So here we have our Intercontinental Champion, who is carrying a bit of timber as well, by Sean's own admission. He's probably, you know, 10 to 15 pounds heavier than he was this time last year. He's been on the road a great deal as a singles competitor here, working his butt off and, and, and working as many matches as he can possibly get. Again, he's going by what he says in his book. We then have a, an issue where the natural storyline going into WrestleMania, the natural match with, with the storyline backing it, kind of has, has fallen down because of Janetti's uh, issues again. We have the, Tatanka kind of crowbarred into the spot, but the build-up can't really have much more added to it other than Tatanka is undefeated and has pinned Michaels twice in non-title matches because Michaels can't ha you know he can't take part in any physicality due to the shoulder and all these other problems that are going on at the, at the time so they kind of go into this WrestleMania match a little bit cold really there's not a massive amount of storyline going into what is one of the probably more featured matches on this show it's like I said it's, it's for the IC title so that's obviously a big deal it's the opener of the pay-per-view as well. And, I mean, with regards to the amount of time that the match itself was given, at 18 minutes, 13 seconds, this match is actually only beaten in length by the Hulk Hogan, Brutus Beefcake versus Money Incorporated tag team title match, which is one half of the supposed double main event. And it's only beaten literally by 10 to 15 seconds in time there as well. So it shows how prominent this match is. But they're going in quite cold, as I said, because of the issues they've had with Michaels picking up a few knocks and Tatanka being crowbarred into the spot that probably seems like it was meant for Janetti. But ultimately, watching this match back for the podcast today, I enjoyed this a lot more than I remembered. Ultimately, WrestleMania 9 is not a, not a show I look back on fondly. I know there are people out there who love it, and that's you know that's why wrestling's fantastic. Everyone's got their own opinions and that, and good luck to you. But this is not a show I particularly look back on very fondly at all. I, I remember this match being probably the match of the night for me, but 
thinking it was far worse than it actually was because the general standard of the show is quite poor. However, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would do watching back today. Um, we begin with Shawn Michaels attempting to take Tatanka down a few times with some single leg takedowns. Uh, we end up with Shawn applying a top wrist lock and powering Tatanka down to the mat before he bridges back up, which was quite a spectacular spot. And then Michaels is in control of his babyface opponent for quite a few minutes in the early parts of the match. Tatanka takes control when Shawn jumps off the top rope and Tatanka kind of catches him midair and turns it into an arm drag. And it was, I mean, bear in mind, this is 1993. And these guys aren't as small as, say, the Young Bucks or some of the guys we see doing this, this high-flying stuff. Now, these guys are, you know, they're, they're, they're big units. I mean, Michaels is 6'1"-ish. Tatanka's a bit taller. Uh, Tatanka must be 240, I would assume, 250, something like that, in that sort of region. Michaels himself here is probably in a region of about 230 pounds as well not small men at all and that spot was pretty spectacular to be fair especially again as i mentioned in 1993 when you didn't really see much of that on wwf television sean is then sent over the top by tatonka uh, before he climbs back onto the apron and tatonka hits him with a chop across his chest which you know sean s flies off the apron spins around in midair hits the floor and again we start to see a bit more of the I suppose, Shawn Michaels' bumping machine that we know so well from previous matches in this already early part of our podcast and Shawn's WrestleMania career. Shawn does fight his way back into the ring, though, um, before eventually climbing to the top rope and going for a sunset flip off the top rope, which I always... I'm never been a fan of that move. It always comes across as kind of anticlimactic because... The babyface does tend to stand there and battle against it and so on anyway, and uh, I I don't know. It's never in, in my you know uneducated, ill-informed, and humble opinion. I've never really got on with the sunset flip from the top rope. It just seems like wasted motion for the sake of it. But anyway, Michaels attempts this, but Tatonka and Sean don't quite get it synced up correctly, and we end up with some sort of weird halfway clunky roll-up as opposed to. A sunset flip attempt with with the pin at the end they kind of go over sideways a little bit it, it didn't look quite right but ultimately it is what it is michaels then carries on trying to uh, use his quickness and his, his mobility here and he's jumping all over the place and running the ropes and he's hitting a few uh, leapfrogs and attempted clotheslines which tatonka is ducking and then on the next leapfrog attempt tonka actually catches him in midair and hits sean with an atomic drop really cool spot so simple and straightforward, but yet really, really cool to look at. And Tatonka then, quite sensibly, starts working on Shawn Michaels' arm, because obviously we know the tale of Shawn legitimately having a, a separated shoulder a few weeks previous in the tag team match where Tatonka beat him. At one point, this leads to Shawn being uh, sent into the corner. Tatonka has stood in the corner. Shawn runs at him shoulder first. Tatonka moves. Shawn flies into the corner, hitting his bad shoulder against the ring post. And then bounces back out again. Again, Sean the bumping machine. It's it's sort of borderline between ridiculous overselling or incredibly athletic. And uh, here I lean towards more the athletic aspect of it. There was nothing he was doing here that uh, sort of approached the levels of not being able to believe what he was trying to you know to show us here. I guess uh, this leads to a shoulder breaker by Tatonka, which I think for a while. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, and reach out to me on all the social medias for SJP World Media and so on. But I think in Tatonka's early run, 
So when he first started wrestling for the WWF and he had the white tights on with the symbols painted on the sides, I'm fairly certain a shoulder breaker was his finish. I might be getting confused with somebody else. But there we go. Give me, let, let me know online uh, if how, how wrong I am, if that is the case. But um, we get the shoulder breaker from Tatanka anyway for an incredibly close two count. Tatanka then climbs to the top rope and hits this tomahawk chop basically like an axe handle but the open-handed version of it nails sean sean starts sluggishly getting back up to his feet before tatanka attempts a second one and sean in mid-air i mean this brought a smile to my face sean in mid-air hits what would become sweet chin music here it's known as the uh, crescent kick on tatanka in mid-air and it's nowhere near as spectacular or as high-flying or, or as, as an incredible, you know, spectacle as the Shelton Benjamin Monday Night Raw spot we would get many, many years later. But here we are in 1993 and we're getting something very similar. And that's just kind of where my mind went to the Shelton Benjamin spot quite famous on monday night raw where michaels hits him with sweet chin music there quite interesting to see it here in in 93 so early in sean's solo run sean is completely in control of his opponent now at this stage he throws the tonka over the top rope to the floor where we get a bit more nonsense from sherry and luna sean and so on before sean steps out of the ropes stands on the ring apron and hits a quite you know incredible running clothesline flying clothesline off the ring apron to the floor which again is something you see quite regularly now 2023 some 30 years later but here in 1993 i remember being you know very young and watching this on videotape and just being like wow this guy can fly it it was quite a spectacular spot for the era that it came from sean then back in the ring hits a standing drop kick and we go back to the chin lock um i suppose i suppose this is an opportunity for the guys to sort of catch their breath before we go into the finish which is coming very very soon um Michaels tries a victory roll where he's sitting on his opponent's shoulders and tries to sort of roll forwards and similar to how Bret Hart would win King of the Ring, uh, the King of the Ring final, sorry, against Bam Bam Bigelow in 1993, a few months after this pay-per-view. It gets a two count. He tries it again, but on this occasion, Tatanka counters it by just dropping backwards. And I believe that counter is known as an electric chair. Jim Ross calls it something else. And I think Jim Ross here got the name wrong. I think this is an electric chair counter. And again, Tatanka gets a very close two count. And the crowd are invested now. The crowd are proper into this because we're getting these near falls. The, the action is quickening up a bit. And you know, the guys have been wrestling now for a good 15 minutes. So we, we know we must be approaching the finish at some point. In a similar way to Tatanka, coming off the top rope uh, several times with these chops to Sean's head, uh, Sean himself climbs to the top rope and hits an axe handle on Tatanka. Tatanka starts its kind of Native American war dance, as the commentary team call it. It's, I suppose it's the Tatanka version of hulking up, in a way, if you imagine Hogan no-selling certain moves, as everyone is more than familiar with, with regards to how Hogan would do that. Sean would hit a couple more of these axe handles. The crowd are getting crazy into Tatanka now. He is building up the audience and they're getting hugely invested in what they're seeing because of Tatanka no-selling these axe handles. Sean's look of panic on his face. Um, Tatanka hits a few chops and a few you know, uh, punches himself and then he hits a crossbody block off the top rope for a very close two count. 
Sean then goes for the top rope himself and hits a crossbody off it as well, which gets countered into a power slam. And again, this spot is incredible. Sean is, as I mentioned earlier, not a small guy here. And Tatanka catches him in midair, spins him instantly, snaps him into the mat for another two count. It's absolutely brilliant stuff. Here, we, we then, there's a bit more brawling and Sean and Tatanka slip to the outside. Sean tries another move off the apron to the floor, similar to his clothesline earlier on. Misses this, ends up hitting the apron, the ring steps the floor, kind of a bit of a crash and burn combo in, in that whole kind of, area, kind of area. Before Sean then selling the bumps he has taken and the, the length of contest he has had and so on, and the panic that Tatanka is getting this head of steam and this build-up and this momentum, Sean grabs the referee's legs and drags him out the ring. Then Sean gets into the ring himself before Tatonka grabs him, hits him with this kind of almost like a crucifix slam effort, which went on to be Tatonka's finisher, I believe. And he goes to cover Sean. The crowd are cheering. They think this is it. Tatonka's won numerous matches with this move, including pinning Sean himself on episodes of Superstars and so on in the in the weeks building up to this event. But the referee gets into the ring. Looks like he's about to make the count before tapping Tatonka on the shoulder, asking for the bell. And obviously the match is going to be thrown out because of what happened to the referee. Now, here we get a bit of confusion. Um, Howard Finkel, who here is known as Finkus Maximus because of the whole you know Roman theme for this event, he is the ring announcer, and he announces this as a count-out finish, meaning Sean retains the Intercontinental title, obviously. However, I believe it's actually gone down as a DQ finish, and Howard Finkel should not have announced it as a count-out, because neither guy was counted out. I think Sean was disqualified for manhandling the referee, which is rightfully so. For me, I can see why we had to end the match this way. The original plan, it seems, or, or everything points towards the original plan being Janetti and Michaels. However, when that wasn't available, and then Sean couldn't do much to build more up for the, the match that we were getting with Tatonka because of injuries and so on, you kind of booked into a corner because they don't want to take the Intercontinental Championship off Sean at this point. In their mind, he might still go on and do something with Janetti later on. He's going to go on and feud with uh, Mr. Perfect, and they're going to face each other at SummerSlam 93 because of an altercation that happens later on in this card. And that's for the Intercontinental title as well. So you can't have Michaels dropping the belt here. Tatonka is on this undefeated streak. You can't really have him losing here either because it you know, it, it weakens his character for, for no real particular reason. Michaels isn't going to benefit massively from this. He's already the IC champion. He doesn't need that win. I think ultimately they had Ludwig Borger end Tatonka's undefeated streak not long after this. Maybe not, well, yeah, towards the end of 93, maybe. But... Um, I mean, I, I've got no massive issue with that, because at the time they're trying to build this monster heel in Ludwig Borger. I mean, obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing. We know how Borger ended up. But that aside, at the time, it would make sense for someone like Borger to beat Tatanka's undefeated streak, because it makes him look strong as they're building him into going into programs with The Undertaker and Lex Luger and the Survivor Series that year and all that sort of stuff. Michaels didn't need to win and beat Tatanka's streak. But at the same time, you can't take the belt off Michaels because of what they've got planned coming up. So a DQ finish here, despite the fact that it's WrestleMania and it's a bit schmozzy, it's a bit, you know, 
it's a bit cut in corners and a bit you know you, you don't get your clear winner it's always a shame i can understand how it ended up being this way that the finish though doesn't really take away masses from the match for me i enjoyed this far more than i thought i was going to as i mentioned at the, the start of our recording today certain spots the power slam spot where michaels is caught midair and and spun around and slammed by tatonka is fantastic michaels coming off the ring apron to the floor uh, is pretty spectacular as well i mean there's, there's stuff that happens in this match where you can already see sean developing into that singles competitor that in his mind is going to give you the best match of the night and i would argue that this begins a run where Sean, if he's on the WrestleMania card, does give you the best match of the night. Next time here on the Heartbreak Kid podcast, we're looking at WrestleMania 10. We obviously have the famous ladder match with Razor Ramon. On that show as well, we also have Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. So you can argue which one of those is the best match of the night, because they're both fantastic. But the fact there's an argument now for Sean's match being the best match of the night. I think this here, WrestleMania 9 against Tatonka in 1993 begins a run where there's always an argument that Sean's match was the best on the night. But we'll get into that in future weeks as we travel through Sean's WrestleMania career uh, and, and potentially beyond. If people are enjoying the podcast, by all means, please let me know online if you'd like me to carry on after WrestleMania, potentially start with SummerSlams or something like that. Then again, please let me know online. It'd be hugely appreciated. I'm going to give this a six and a half out of ten, which makes it the highest rated match that we've covered so far here on the HBK pod. Um, Only by half a point because the last two episodes were both six out of tens and they were decent enough. But this is a bit better than those, but still not anything spectacular. It was a good match without it being hitting the levels that we know we're going to see in future weeks and shows. But yes, by all means, let me know if you're enjoying the show. Let me know if there's anything you'd like me to do different. All feedback is hugely, hugely appreciated. You can reach me on Twitter, at SJPWords. Anything I'm involved in is, of course, carried by the network that carries this show. So that's at SJP World Media. You can reach me there as well on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that stuff. And this show itself, please chuck this a follow on Twitter as well, at the HBK Pod. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed my little coverage here of Sean's match at WrestleMania 9. And next week, oh, I'm looking forward to this. A match that really stands out for my childhood. WrestleMania 10, Madison Square Garden, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, and a ladder. Can't wait. As always, thank you for listening. I've got the move. That really move I said, yeah.